Greetings, my friends, from the Sermon on the Mount. I thought it would be helpful to meet here this morning. When Jesus saw the crowds, after having just come from 40 days in the desert alone, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples gathered around and Jesus began to teach them. He begins with a blessing, but it's also a prescription for shining. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who are mourning, who are gentle, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will have their fill. He begins with a blessing, but it's also an affirmation for light bearers. Blessed are those who show mercy, whose hearts are clean, who work for peace, who were persecuted because of their struggle for justice. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Do you know what the word Beatitudes means. It is a noun meaning supreme blessedness. Doesn't that sound nice? Supreme blessedness. Jesus begins with a blessing and all these years later the sermon still preaches, right? And when we gather together, to sit at his feet, not unlike we are doing at this very moment, we discover that he is teaching us too. The truth applies today, and so does the blessing. It is given to us, poured over us, and with the blessing comes a reminder, which Paul read to us. Thank you, Paul. And the reminder is this. You are light. You are light. You are the light of the world, in fact. And you can't hide it. You can't hide light. You don't put it under a basket. You set it on a stand so it can shine for all around you. You are light, Christ says. Be light, Christ says. There on that mount with his friends close by and the crowds pressing in eager with anticipation, he proclaims to them, you are light, be light. And this morning, eight months into a pandemic, unlike anything any of us have ever lived through on the cusp of a pivotal election in a historical year, Jesus proclaims to us still, you are light, be light. After he doles out the blessing and gives the reminder, he goes on with his teaching intended, he says, not to abolish the law that came before him, but to fulfill it. He flips the law on its head. He doesn't reject it, but he takes it, he reclaims it, he rebirths it into something both radical and real, reflecting the kingdom of of heaven on earth resembling divine intention, divine presence, the same divine presence who breathes spirit into our bones, using our hands and feet, our bodies to do the work of light, life, 
resurrection. Just listen to these words from verses 38 through 42. Jesus says, You've heard the commandment, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, offer no resistance whatsoever when you are confronted with violence. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn and offer the other. If anyone wants to sue you for your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go two miles. Give to those who beg from you. Don't turn your back on those who want to borrow from you. We hear the voice of God in these complicated words. I know God's voice is in them. I know God's hand is on them, but I have questions. Like, what if when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he didn't mean endure abuse or overlook injustice or stay silent. After all, the whole of scripture reveals to us again and again our goodness. We were not meant to be punching bags. We are children of God bearers of the divine image. So what if when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he just meant don't react so quickly. What if turning your cheek was akin to cocking your head, taking a moment, taking a breath, taking a minute to think about your response, the response of an image bearer? And what if when Jesus said, offer no resistance, he was given some real talk, the kind of talk black parents shouldn't have to give their young sons, but damn it, this is the world we live in. What if Jesus wanted us to know the truth, which is that people will be violent with their energy and their words and their actions? That systems will be violent and unjust. That's the way of it. And what if Jesus said, hand over your coat and go the extra mile? When he said that, what if he was pulling a Michelle Obama and simply saying, when others go low, you go high? What if his words were a radical invitation to choose the radical way of not basing our reactions to all of these disheartening realities on anything else? but the law fulfilled, which is the Christ we follow, the one in whom we live and move and have our being? What if all the information we really needed was the Christ reminder, you are light? You are light. What if that mantra, that mantra informed our decisions, you are light? What if it granted us the power and the patience and the careful consistency needed to live into the fullness of our Imago day? You are light. What if we took this reminder with us everywhere, in our relationships, to our jobs, and oh yes, on our social media accounts? More than ever, our realities are being shaped by a scream. From every direction, we are bombarded with information and we are exhausted from all the sifting, all the searching for what is true. When ironically, we already know what is true. We already have access to the way of truth. But the ways in which we are responding to all this chaos around us are not sustainable and they are not reflective of the sacred knowledge we possess. Our shared overwhelm is creating hopelessness within us too often. 
and we are on the defensive all the time, reacting over and over again, reacting to ignorance, reacting to hate, reacting to violence, always reacting and not being or receiving nearly enough. This anxiety-ridden context births only dread and despair, yet we have set up shop here. My friends, this is not a place fitting for a child of God. It cannot be our foundation. It cannot be what grounds us. And I wonder, could we learn to let it go? Could we practice shedding that which does not serve us? Could this consistent surrender be the essential spiritual work of this season? Our collective reacting is revealing that we are bogged down with ego concerns. We are swept up in our own sets of power and privilege. Could we unlearn this? Could we unlearn these instincts? In Jesus' best and most brilliant sermon, what I notice is that he doesn't wag his finger at us, but he doesn't let us off the hook either. His standards are high, but only because he knows we are capable. We can do this. If Christ knows we are capable, can we believe it too? Can we believe that we can survive these times? Sometimes we just need a little extra nudge. And I hope today and these short words could be a needed nudge for you. And when the inspiration wears off, just meet back here at the Sermon on the Mount at this place where Jesus doles out blessings so abundant, so filled with paradox, yet grounded in reality, at this place where Christ speaks into the places deep inside us that crave divine assurance, reminding us, you are light. Be light. And so my prayer is this, especially over these next couple of weeks, May we take the time to slow down. And from within this holy pause, may we ground ourselves in Christ. And may we remember who we are. And may we take a breather from all the reacting and instead, with open hands, receive. Amen.